Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Hello. According to Jen McClure at Thomson Reuters, in just a few short years, social media has evolved from being considered a fad to a disruptive force to a powerful new set of business tools that are being incorporated into every function of organizations as they strive to become what we like to call social businesses. Yep. Social media has changed the voices of your customers, past, current and future and the media. When they're happy or not so happy with you, they've gone from a whisper or timidness to a shout very loud around the world. That means your brand value can soar or stumble at the mere click of a tweet. Whether you like it or not, you better be ready to seize the golden opportunities, and there are plenty of them. And just as well, you have to manage the pitfalls. This has to happen in right time. Some of us call it real time. We know now after listening to the show, you know our experts say it's right time. If you're not taking this paradigm shift seriously, listen up today to our experts' priceless advice. They're going to name drop social media blunder examples from big names like Sears, Netflix, Domino's, BP, Gap. You can learn a lot from these missteps. So pour yourself a cup of Joe Earl or OJ and join us for Food for Thought on Avoiding Social Media Blunders. Don't let this happen to your company. Yes, I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I have four fabulous guests here with me. They're vocal, they're smart, they're expert, and they know their way around social business. I'm going to introduce you in a moment to Rob Harles, who is the global head of social media for Bloomberg. Jen McClure, who I just quoted a moment ago, senior director of social media strategy for Thomson Reuters. Dr. Natalie Petowoff, who lets us call her Dr. Nat. She's a frequent guest on the show. She's a social media ROI guest lecturer at the UCLA Anderson School of Business, etc., etc. And our friend Todd Wilms, who's also been on the show before, SAP senior director global social media audience marketing team. That must be a big plaque on his door. So I'd like to welcome my first guest, Rob Harles, Global Head of Social Media for Bloomberg. Rob is responsible for developing, hi Rob, developing and managing Bloomberg's social media efforts and initiatives around the globe, formerly with Sears Holding. Tell me about what you did at Sears Holding, Rob. Oh, well, um, we don't have a lot of time, but um, when when I started at Sears, again, we were starting from, from the grassroots. We had no social media um, initiative there. And uh, so I was given the brief of trying to figure out what we do, how do we engage with our customers, uh, how do we uh, generate value uh, from mm-hmm. social media for the company. 
And um, even though I'm not there, it's still it's still growing the social media presence in the community. So I think it, it certainly gave us a sense that um, it was worth doing. Well, I'm going to name drop here, Rob. I understand that you helped to build the My Sears online community. It today has over, get ready, folks, one million registered members. That's like being a rock star, Rob. And it's one of the lar- largest retail communities in the world. And and I hear that Sears is having some problems, and yet the community yeah. has a million. This doesn't even make sense to me. But I want to point out one of your favorite quotes, and we're going to move quickly to our next guest in a second. Your quote is, put out social media fires with social media water. If that's not a rock star quote, I don't know what it is. What exactly did you mean by that? Where do we buy the social media water, Rob? Well, I think, I think it means that you, um, you can't ignore your customers when they're using these, these, uh, these platforms. Um, you know, people are moving to a, um, a stage where they're basically interacting with you the way they want to interact, and you have to be prepared to interact with them the same way. You can't simply wait for the phone to ring or have them write a letter. You really need to get on top of things quickly and put out the fires. And you call this social listening. Does that mean having somebody in your company or a team who are working 24-7 with their ear to that virtual, the, 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 to the ground, to, the, uh, you know, the, yeah. to everything that's happening in, in the real time, as I said, the right time? Does that mean that somebody has to be listening around the clock all year long, Rob? That's a big job. <laughs> Pretty much. Hopefully it's not the same person, but um, but we really you know, felt it was important that we're not only reactive but proactive with, with our customers. So we really tried very hard to engage with them the minute we saw something, um, a problem, a question, an issue, um, really tried to reach out to them as quickly as possible and try to resolve it. Uh, or answer the question, and uh, even even to the even to the point where if we saw people talking about products that we sold at, at other competitors, we were, we might even venture out and try to answer a problem or a question for them. Woohoo! That's that's what I would call proactive in the biggest kind of a way. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and bring on the lady I quoted in the opening of the show, Jen McClure, Senior Director of Social Media Strategy for Thomson Reuters, the world's leading source of intelligent information for business and professionals in the financial, legal, tax, and accounting, healthcare, science, and media markets. And she's President of the Board of Directors for the Society of New Communications Research. Hi, Jen. Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. How how are you today? Great. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you for joining us today. Tell me a little bit about the Society for New Communications Research. I understand you've been around for seven years. What is it all about, and how did it come to be? Sure. Um, it has been around for seven years. Uh, it's a small nonprofit uh, research and education foundation that was founded by about 12 very early adopters of what was not even really being called uh, ubiquitously social media at that time, and, and that's why we use the terms new communications. Um, it started as a gathering of folks from media, from PR, from marketing communications, from technology, from academia, looking at the way that these emerging communications tools were changing every aspect of business, the, the mm-hmm. way that it was it was changing the um, types of insights that we could get from our customers, the um, the kind of voice that employees wanted to have inside and outside the companies, certainly a disruptor to the media industry itself and the way we think about journalism, um, that these tools were not just a new set of marketing tools or not just a new set of internal comms tools, but um, really, as I said earlier, disruptive tools and potentially um, very important tools for the new world of business. 
Jen, who are the members? Who joins the society? Is it something that you need to apply for? Is it something that you need to be nominated for? How does that work? Yes, both. We have had over the past seven years more than 100 people go through our fellowship program. And we uh, used to do the fellowship program purely by nomination. But over the past three or four years, we've had an application process. And so each year, we welcome six new fellows into our fellowship program. And they are responsible for um, two years of commitment where they collaborate with the other fellows on independent research and education projects. So we have had uh, research projects that have explored everything from how senior-level decision-making has changed because of the online social networks that executives get involved in, to how the media industry and journalism has changed, to um, how the communication service providers have to think about um, their world and from everything from technology to bandwidth because of the uh, increasing usage of social tools and uh, online video. And so we've tried to look at things as comprehensively as possible as to all the various societal business um, impacts that have resulted from the emergence of these new tools. So, but anybody can access the research that we, um, that we conduct, and like, we also have an awards program that anyone can apply to with a case study, and most of our research and case studies are free. Um, and you can get them at sncr.org. So we call it Snicker. We lovingly call it Society <laughs> like Snicker, um, but it's sncr.org, and, and it's, I think, a really valuable resource, and there, we've had lots and lots of really smart, engaged people participate over the years, so I felt very blessed to be part of it. Jen, it sounds like you're grooming a new generation of proactive executives, social business people, getting, in other words, setting the bar high from the start and arming them with the knowledge and the tools to play in the new sandbox. Is, is that a good way of putting it? I think it is, and I think that um, one of the advantages that I had coming into Thomson Reuters was the um, the ability to have spent so much time over the last seven years with these people who were really breaking new ground, um, writing books, working within large organizations, um, breaking out from traditional media models, you know, very wide perspective of different people learning how to use these tools to advantage. And that really helped me walking into a large organization that mm-hmm. had a tremendous amount of social media activity going on across the business, but no governance, no structure, no vision, no strategy overarching that for the whole company, um, which, of course, is a pretty daunting challenge. I don't think we're unique. I think most businesses um, face something like that. Um, if they're lucky, you know, I mean, the, the great yeah. thing about Thomson Reuters was that it has a very open approach and a very trusting culture to um, allow their employees to use social tools. Um, we had great guidelines in place prior to me getting there, which I think is an enormous advantage for companies to have social media guidelines. Um, there was a great partnership with our corporate counsel to develop those guidelines, another huge advantage, um, and really the work that that I've started only just scratched the surface of doing over the last year is bringing some structure, some, um, some governance, some empowerment uh, through training mm-hmm. and education, um, and some vision for a, a much larger view of not only how we use these tools externally to communicate with all our constituencies, but also how do we use these tools in every function of our business so that we can be um, more competitive, more productive, more efficient, um, and more in- have a more engaged workforce. 
you know, these are that, tools for internal and external that's, uses. That's what it's all about. Now, I'm going to bring on my third guest really quickly under the wire here, Dr. Nat. You've been with me a couple of times here on Coffee Break. We used to be called... We used to be called Breakfast with Game Changers. Dr. Natalie Petoff, and we call her Dr. Nat, is a social media ROI guest lecturer at UCLA. She's an adjunct professor at University of Southern Cal and at Pepperdine and at Forrester. She wrote the world's first social media ROI model for PR, marketing, and customer service. Dr. Nat, before we go to break, I have a quote from you that is so provocative. I want to use it as a cliffhanger before we leave this segment. Are you ready for me to read it? Dr. Nat? Is she I'm on mute? Ready. There you go, honey. Here we go. Here's your quote. Social media interaction plans are getting caught up in politics. Leadership needs to arrest executives and send them to white-collar jail. Leaders need to understand the strategic importance of social media and create a multidisciplinary response interaction plan. Whoa, Dr. Nat, what are you talking about, arresting executives and sending them? Is this because of tweeting and Facebook? Give me a one-minute answer before we run. Oh, 30 seconds we have left. Go for it. Well, here's the deal. People are resisting change. Social media is driving that change. And change, resisting change costs businesses money. And so if you're wasting money, you should be put in white-collar jail. <laughs> well, that's as provocative as it gets. We're going to get ready to go to break. We'll talk a little bit more with Dr. Nat when we come back. And I'll introduce my fourth panelist, last but never least, Todd Wilms, SAP Senior Director, Global Social Media Audience Marketing Team. We have a lot more, and we're going to start dropping names when we come back. I promised you case studies and real-time names, and we're going to find out about social media blunders that have rocked some companies. They have recovered. In some cases, we're going to find out how you can avoid those missteps in in the first place. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. We'll be right back after a brief break, so don't go anywhere except refill that cup. Be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more not just in it for profit but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways listen for be more achieve more inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host chris cooper you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with a passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance these people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more be more achieve more can be heard live fridays at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the voice america business channel 
No family can survive on two incomes anymore, let alone one. If you are supplementing your family's income working from home, then tune into The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio. Host Deb Bixler brings you sales tips, lead generation systems, and best business practices that guarantee direct sales success. Whether you're looking for a little extra cash or a career change, The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio, will give you proven systems that will work in your home business. The Cash Flow Show. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, that's when we left off about two minutes ago. I was talking to Dr. Nat, Natalie Petoff, and she was recommending that executives should be arrested and sent to white collar jail if they are impeding the flow and the progress of social media for their companies. Dr. Nat, why don't you give us another minute or two of where you're going with this, and then we're going to move on to our next guest, Todd. Well, I think one of the reasons that we're seeing social media blunders is because leadership stinks the most at the head. And so what's happening, like, for instance, Netflix, when customers say no, they mean no. And so if you look at the Netflix situation, there were over 81,000 posts from customers saying this is not a good idea on um, his blog, and then 24,000 posts on Facebook. So one of the things that we're seeing is that oftentimes um, there are people who are not telling the truth, people who are uh, sucking up to leadership, and sometimes mm-hmm. leadership doesn't get it. And so here's the deal. Doing these things are costing businesses a lot of money, a lot of embarrassment, reputation. I mean, 800,000 people unsubscribed to Netflix. So Ooh. blunders cost company's money and it's mostly due to politics and egos and i think those people should be put in jail there you go you're always on the cutting edge dr nat on that note i'm going to bring on our fourth panelist todd wilms sap senior director global social media audience marketing team i can almost say that in less than one breath todd welcome back todd wilms how are you I'm great. Glad to, glad to be here. And since we only have an hour for the show, maybe we just drop the title. <laughs> Todd Wilms, my friend, you're going to talk to me. Well, first of all, I have a great little quote, and then we're going to go into some case studies, other case studies. You say companies are rightfully concerned about what to do in a social business emergency, but then they forget what to do the other 99.99% of the time. This is very, very key, Todd. What have you found in your dealings globally at SAP and social media? Is this what you've come across? Yeah, I think, you know, this. the, the emergencies are the things that get the attention of the board, that gets attention of the C-level suite. They need to be addressed, and rightfully so, and I've got, you know, two great examples to give here in a second. I think most companies, when they're devising their plans, tend to think only about what they do in those emergency situations and not about a whole governance plan, rules and regulations on how your employees should be 
acting on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and how they should be engaging customers and their friends and what kind of relationships they're building. I think most companies sort of forget about that and they think just about the big issues. There's nothing wrong with that, but they're missing a critical piece to you know, how you engage your audiences and how you engage your customers. You bet. Now, you told me you had the good and the bad. We didn't include the ugly, but you want to talk about Chrysler and FedEx, two of the biggest names we know. So what are the stories, Todd? Yeah, well, and the, the Chrysler one's a pretty, uh, a pretty ominous example of late, and, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but, no. you know, this was a, a circumstance where um, someone came in and tweeted under their corporate handle, um, I don't know why they call it hashtag Motor City when no one here knows how to effing drive. Now, they actually spelled the expletive out, which made it even more, more harmful. And that tweet went out and, and was, was picked up by the press and the news and was the, the hot topic for a while. And, the, you know, the reaction is, is typical of a lot of companies that don't understand social, which was, you know, the employee's been dealt with. They first said the, the, the uh, handle was hacked. Then they said, they're, you know, they're dealing with the employee. And then they, they ended the story there. And that's how a lot of, I think, corporate mindsets are of, okay, we're going to deal with it how we want, which is mm-hmm. we're going to fire the person or, or put someone on the chopping block. Now, the flip side of that is FedEx, and I give them a lot of credit over Christmas. Mm-hmm. I think most of us saw the video of the FedEx driver throwing the 42-inch TV over the, the fence into someone's lawn and then walking yep. away. And, I, and that video went viral. That got picked up by everybody. But what FedEx did was really, really telling. In the next 24 hours, they flew a corporate vice president down. <clears throat> they delivered a you know, replacement TV. They apologized profusely. They asked if there was anything that they could do for, um, for that customer. You know, they wanted to make sure that they set things right. They let them know that this isn't their policy. And then they did some you know, PR work to make sure that that story was, was put in the popular press. Now, it didn't really diminish the story. The video is still around. You can still go right. on YouTube. But it took the sting out of it, and it focused it more on a rogue employee and not about FedEx as a whole. But they focused on what the customer wanted. The customer doesn't really care as much whether that employee is fired or not. They want their mm-hmm. And FedEx took a customer-centric view on that. And companies that are thinking about this and thinking about it well are thinking about what is the customer, the audience, what do they want, what do they need? And how do I meet their needs and their responsibilities versus how would I handle this 15, 20 years ago, which is just start shooting people and firing folks? I have a, an old adage. I guess that's that might be redundant. An adage is an old saying, or we used to call it an old saw. I want to throw out to the whole panel, and thank you for that, Todd. Good good examples, and we have a lot more coming up on the show. The, the adage is there's no such thing as bad press. Rob Harles, why don't you jump in on that one, and, and then I want to hear from Jen McClure at Thomson Reuters. Is that true today, no such thing as bad press? Because that's what we're talking about, social media blunders, Todd. Todd, yeah. uh, Todd brought that up. Rob, what do you think? I actually think, well, it depends what business you're in and what the context mm-hmm. is, number one. So I'll definitely slide across <laughs> being definitive with my answer. But but I, I think there is bad press. Uh, I think particularly it's bad if, if it somehow damages your credibility or damages your brand or damages, most importantly, the relationship you have with your customers. And you, you've seen that. I mean, we used the example uh, of VP, and I maybe use it less as a social example, but more of how things have changed so much in that companies no longer really own their brand, uh, mm-hmm. lock, lock them to smoking barrels. Um, they, <laughs> well put. 
they really do have to uh, acquiesce to a certain degree um, to their customers and, and really, you know, think about them in building relationships, the holy grail we've always sought. Um, and so that was more of an example of, of how things have evolved with companies that, you know, traditional um, um, damage management PR is really not sufficient mm-hmm. in this day and age. And you see it time and time again. So it's not only BP I could pick on, but I could pick on United or any other airline you'd like to mention. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, there was the sort of famous example of, of, of Kenneth Cole, who's actually very engaged as a, as a designer and as an owner of a business in, in social and marketing. But um, it certainly backfired on him a few times when he, you know, made some offhanded comments on, on a Twitter, Twitter feed uh, that just seemed really insensitive. Um, so, yeah, can you, know, can you elaborate, the, Rob? Can you can you give us a little, a few details for people who didn't hear that Kenneth Cole or who aren't familiar with the BP case? Yeah, would you mind dropping during, a little more than just during, the name? Um, um, the uh, there were a few things actually that came up. One was the, the difficulties people were having in Turkey, and he made comments um, about um, you know people rioting, and I think his his offhanded comments were more around. You know, they, he was trying to, to be kind of pithy about people wanting his products for a new spring collection, and he made mm-hmm. a parallel in an, uh, an offhanded uh, tweet. And, you know, it, I don't think he expected it to be picked up. Uh, I think he thought it would just be kind of a cute turn on, on, a, on a, a current event. And what, what really transpired was, uh, you know, outrage. I mean, people felt this was a very mm-hmm. serious situation. It wasn't over. People were being hurt. Um, and, you know, you, you, can't, you can't compare the two to simple commerce. You really need to be careful. And I think it, it, it culminated in people, we certainly had to apologize very quickly, and that it still didn't die down after that. There were people who uh, mirrored his, his Twitter handle and, and came up with ever more um, <laughs> dubious comments uh, that were funny in themselves but certainly didn't enhance his brand. So yeah. uh, one has to be very, very careful. So that's something he caused all by himself. Uh, Jen McClure, yeah. what do you have to say about this, about these, some of these pitfalls we've been talking about? What do you think about the, how the FedEx was handled? Is that how you would teach it at SNCR, the Society of New Communications Research think tank? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it relates to your first question, is, is there such a thing as, as bad press? And I, as mm-hmm. a journalist, as a PR person, I never agreed with that. Of course, there's bad press. Um, mm-hmm. I think that what's interesting about the phenomenon of social media is that it's all about how organizations handle missteps or handle something that either they're responsible for that happens to them. And we've seen time and time again um, when, when organizations handle things correctly that they um, instill more loyalty and more accolades from their supporters and from their customers um, than in some cases than if something hadn't gone wrong in the first place. You know, I mean, it's really interesting how the support of an online community can come and rally around an organization when it steps up and admits that it's made a mistake or um, takes the bull by the horns and, and does something unexpectedly proactively good. Um, and we actually have in our, our social media guidelines at Thomson Reuters, if you make a mistake, mm-hmm. do not just delete it or try to cover it up, acknowledge it, apologize, correct it. Because, you know, we've seen in politics, for example, this last year, you know, if you tweet something, just because you take it down doesn't uh-huh. mean that um, it's gone. Somebody's already shared it, somebody's already copied it, somebody has already documented um, your faux pas, and um, 
And, you, and by hiding it, you just make matters worse. So, yeah, there's bad press, but there's an opportunity, I think, for organizations. There's always going to be bad press, right? Things are always Jen, Jen, I remember the rule of thumb when people were learning to do email, and this goes way back, and I, a lot of people still hang on to this rule, and the rule is if you wouldn't want your grandmother to see it, don't put it in an email. Well, if you explode that out into the social media sphere and you think of the instant broadcasting of your your deepest thoughts or your shallowest thoughts perhaps or your anger or your annoyance or your delight that your audience is more than just one person passing along an email it can be broadcast to millions almost instantaneously and that's the problem i'm bonnie d graham we're going to break we come back i'm going to ask my four esteemed guests what they're drinking on coffee break we're going to go to our twitter feed when we also come back and find out what some of our listeners are drinking today and we're going to drop a lot more names in terms of social media blunders. Don't let this happen to your company. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com what does a visual workplace mean to you how does it contribute to operational excellence and what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place listen to the visual workplace work that makes sense to find out each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
let's check in with our coffee break listeners and see what they're drinking today before I poll our esteemed panel on what's in their cup. We have Kristen in Miami is getting her morning started off with a Starbucks Java chip frappuccino. We have Wendy has a glass of pure organic black cherry juice. Whoa. And she's also enjoying when Wendy is a multi drinker here. She's got her Caribbean Dreams instant ginger tea product of Thailand packaged in Jamaica. Malcolm is to oh Malcolm. He's down to his last cup of Equator Coffee's Mocha Java and he needs to go online and order more. Yes you do and you need to say nice things about them because you've got their hashtag. I know that Malcolm and Courtney's drink of choice is hot decaf Earl Grey. So, Dr. Nat, what are you drinking today, please? I'm drinking Coke Zero. Coke Zero, good. And Rob Harles, what drinkest you this morning? Uh, I'm a little lightweight. I actually drink something I call a milkachino, mostly milk. <laughs> okay, good for you. Moo. And Todd Wilms, what's in your cup today? So, I'm fortunate to be on the road in New Orleans, and I have a uh, thick, black, deep, rich chicory coffee and a bit Oh, you're at, at FCOM, correct? I am, correct. Yeah, how's it at FCOM? It's great. It's beautiful. It's, New Orleans is so welcoming. It's a great place to be. Good. Say hello to my colleagues, Laurie Hawkins and David Sweetman, if you run into them among the 6,000 or so people who are storming New Orleans this week. And let's talk to Jen McClure. What are you drinking today? I am on, I think, my fourth cup of uh, black coffee with a touch of cinnamon. And that's full-strength high test, I'm assuming. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they don't let me have caffeine on show days, so I'm not allowed. <laughs> Decaf all the way. Jen McClure, let's talk about another case study. I promised the listeners we'd be dropping names, and let's talk about something good. Dell started their social media with, what, two guys in a spreadsheet? What does this mean? Talk to me. Yeah, yeah, I love I love to tell <laughs> Dell's story. And, you know, I mean, it started out with a social media blunder. They, um, they were having a lot of problems with customer service, um, customer satisfaction issues, um, there were videos that were starting to be posted of, of laptops kind of exploding into flames, which is not good. Um, oh. And um, they had one pretty influential um, customer who was po- trying to reach customer service about a laptop issue, not getting any satisfaction from the customer service organization, posting and posting and posting on his blog, um, and really finally awoke the attention of um, a guy named Richard Binhammer and Lionel Machaka, who um, decided, wow, we, we really need to start paying attention to the kind of impact that social media can have on our business. Um, you know, when social media starts to to impact your, your stock price and that there's thousands and thousands of fans that are creating forums saying how much they hate your company, you better pay attention. And so um, they did start using some very basic tools, you know, an Excel spreadsheet and just manually um, going out and searching for social media mentions um, about uh, on blogs and then, you know, subsequently on Twitter. And so what I like about that story is it, it, it started without – uh, a huge commitment or a huge budget or tools, mm-hmm. and now has grown into a company-wide commitment to wanting to serve customers better. Um, you know, they now are known for having these very sophisticated listening centers um, that are fully staffed, that have complete workflow um, and learnings around listening to customers and addressing their needs regardless of you know, whether it's customer service or support or ideation, they have, you know, social ideation forums. Um, they've incorporated 400 um, customer ideas into their product sets. And so it's really transformed the way the company operates, and it's transformed mm-hmm. their, 
their customer satisfaction with the company. And so, you know, you can turn a wonder into a, a real um, transformational experience. I think. Into a wonderful experience. I understand from Rob Harles that Sears Online Community, and we spoke about that when I introduced you, on their site they have a survey that says, how do you like what we're doing? How's that working for Sears, Rob? Well, I think it worked really well in the sense people certainly would give a lot of feedback. And, and if I used a specific example when I was there, where I kind of first thought that this was really going to work was when I received uh, a message uh, off from the community, community members that, you know, hey, I love what you guys are doing with having communities, listening to your most loyal customers. But, you know, by the way, I, I, I'm really not someone who would who would buy from Sears anymore. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I was curious about this, so I, I, you know, I posted back, and he said, well, here's the situation. I, loyal Sears customer, I, I bought um, X amounts of dollars worth of, of of um, tools every year, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he would definitely qualify as a, as a loyal customer. But he had a problem with you know one product, and um, didn't get uh, a lot of satisfaction. <laughs> and it was a small thing, and I think he had in mind that you know we knew exactly who he was and the value of him and what he contributed. And you know, in, in truth, a lot of companies suffer from this, which is we don't really know our customers very well. We don't know how valuable mm-hmm. they are do an aggregate, but not individually. And so social really allowed us to do this kind of on an individual basis. And one thing led to another, and we were able to sort out the problem. And the nice thing was that he wrote back uh, a few days later and just said, hey, look, uh, first thing I want to tell you is it was I was floored that you actually took the time to respond to me in a public way. Uh-huh. Two, I didn't expect you to fix the problem, but you fixed the problem, <laughs> which is great. And and three, I, I'm going to tell you that today I put I took my tears card and I put it back in my wallet. Oh, and, and I, th- I think if re- I remember from a call I had with you a couple of weeks ago, Rob, this was over nothing more than a forty dollar drill, something like that. Yeah, it was it was a vice grip, if I remember correctly. Vice grip, forty bucks, and that was it. And Sears fixed it, replaced it, gave him something with a guarantee, apologized, met his needs, was timely, and interested in him, and treated him like a VIP. Right. Isn't that a good story? And, and, and the, the, the thing that's important to take away from that is that uh, social media allows you to have those interactions in ways you've never been able to do. Most most companies are solving people's problems every day. It's the unsung hero um, effect. And so you just don't know, and other customers don't know that they're, they're, you know, other people are getting their problems fixed. Um, the nice thing about this sort of interaction and the thousands which came from it uh, was that we were actually showcasing that we had we had listened, we had done something, and we had fixed the problem. I mm-hmm. can't always promise that will happen, but that's what we did. That's what we're trying to do. Now, I want to turn to Dr. Nat. You have a couple of case studies you want to talk about. Gap, Motrin, Domino's. Uh, what can you do in the next three minutes, Dr. Nat? Let's go through the list. So here's the deal. A lot of times companies don't know what they don't know because they're not monitoring. So... The number one key thing to avoid a blunder is to make sure you're monitoring, and there are free monitoring tools, and then there are paid-for monitoring tools, and it can be as simple as doing a Google alert. Um, It can be as simple as using some of the free tools and putting in your brand's name, putting in, you know, Mm -hmm. pound fail in your brand's name, and understanding what people are saying. Oftentimes, things in social media get viral because the brand isn't listening, and then the brand doesn't have an interaction or invention, you know, intervention process. Mm-hmm. So um, I think one of the best case studies was uh, Red Cross. 
so okay. short. Um, one of the gals was tweeting, and she was really tired after a, a recent disaster, and she tweeted something about slamming down a six-pack of beer. And she accidentally Whoa. tweeted that from the American Red Cross handle. And that's not exactly on brand. And so what Wendy, uh, who leads the social media at American Red Cross, what she did was she said she saw it, she caught it right away, and she sent out a note and said, hey, if you just saw that tweet about slamming down a six-pack, mm-hmm. it was an accident. We're sorry. It, that's not us on brand. And please forgive the gal that did it. Well, long story short, because she was so authentic and direct, they doubled the amount of donations that they got. The beer company pitched in money and Hootsuite pitched in money. So I think that's Whoa. a great story to say, here's how you do it right. Yep. The other nice thing about that story is that they, um, they used humor, and, um, and I thought that was really great is that they said, you know, please be assured we've taken the keys away. Um, and that, <laughs> that kind of um, lighthearted but acknowledgement um, approach to something. Um, and actually, she she said something about getting slizzard too. I don't think it was a six pack of beer, but it was something. You know, definitely she Ooh. was off brand, and she was talking about drinking. Um, but the humor um, approach to we've acknowledged this. This is definitely a blunder, and you know, please, we're human. You know, I it's authentic. That is, that's that's what we consider yeah. authentic. Is if we're she was human. authentic, and, saying, "Look yeah. at me, what I did," and they're authentic and saying, "Whoops," and we're taking care of it. And the beer company's authentic and saying, "Let's be part of this and let's make everybody happy, but let's apologize." And it sounds like everybody pitched in. Also, saw it as a great opportunity to reinforce the positive side of their brands. Doctor Nat, did you have another case you want to squeeze in here before we go to break? Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think another one that's really. Interesting is the Domino's one, right? So Domino's wasn't really paying attention, and it went viral. And, you know, part of it is why would your employees do something like that? Well, tell us what it was. Tell us exactly what happened. Oftentimes, social media blunders stem from unhappy employees. So if things aren't good inside the company before social media, you need to fix that before you even enter into social media because it may end up in a viral video. Dr. Nat, what was the problem with Domino's, if you could just give us a, a review? Um, there were a couple of employees who um, basically the guy stuck his nose, his finger in his nose, and was kind of saying that they, you know, put boogers on pizzas and then served oh, them. Maybe I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know. It's awful, right? So, <laughs> But this geez. is a blunder. This is, this is as authentic as it gets, is the human condition, or for lack thereof. Yes. Very interesting. Anybody else have another case they want to drop before we go to break, which is one minute? Who wants to jump in? Yeah, I've got well, I, th- I think I'd just say one more thing. Is I think that when we thought about humor, I just wanted to reemphasize, it, it almost has to be in the context of your brand. If you're, if you're mm-hmm. trying to force something, it, it, it can be unfortunate. So the Cancol Egypt I, um, example is the example of that. It just didn't seem to jar, right? But if, if, if it's Part of, you know, I think someone mentioned, I think it was Jen, about being authentic. Mm-hmm. Be authentic and not go overboard, then, then humor certainly has a, has a place to, to play. And Todd, what did you want to squeeze in here? Go ahead. Yeah, and, and topping onto that, I think it really comes down to the corporate culture, right, and tapping into what your, your corporation is about, how you stand, what your brand is like, and making sure that then you become a reflection of that. 
because we too often see companies that have very serious brands and then they try and be funny or they try and right. flip it. Doesn't, it, it doesn't work. The Kenneth doesn't Cole work. example is a great one. Okay, kids, when we come back in our last segment, I will ask my esteemed panelists to look into their crystal ball. 2017, five years from right now, this minute, what will social business look like? Will we call it social business? Will Twitter be Twitter? Will Facebook be Facebook? Stay tuned because we want to hear the word from the mountain of these esteemed guests who really know their stuff. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. We'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network being here with ariel and shia kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment this show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment don't miss being here tune in every wednesday at 9 a.m pacific 12 noon eastern with ariel and shia kane right here on the seventh wave network the time for enterprise mobility is now according to idc by 2013 over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology comprising 34.9 percent of the workforce the impact of mobility on business is clear Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, let's. It's time for the Crystal Ball segment. Look ahead to 2017. Let's start with Rob Harles Bloomberg. What do you think is coming up? Will it still be social business? Talk to me, Rob. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a broad subject, but here's what I'll, I'll wager, which is I think we're still early days in this, in this kind of social evolution. Um, and I think what we're going to, what's going to happen is the, the real value that's going to come out of all of this is what can it do for business? How can we really build relationships that are meaningful and lengthy? And the companies that do them well, do this well, I think are going to be the ones that are the winners. So I, I kind of wager that 
um, right now it seems like social media uh, um, kind of wild west. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there'll be a lot of shakeout. And I think that the companies that will emerge from this will be more robust. I also think the companies that do well will have figured out how to integrate this into everything that they do. I kind of often talk about it. Uh, this, this DNA thing is, uh, it, it, it was this, this, um, uh, evolution of social media as a DNA, um, transfer rather than a, a revolution. And so you have to think about how do companies really use this day to day, each of us and all of us in the way we communicate. And the ones that really do that seamlessly and are able to connect with their customers, uh, well, uh, I think I would be the ones that win. Thank you for that, Rob. Good predictions. Jen McClure, Thomson Reuters. What do you see in that crystal ball, Jen, for 2017? Yeah, I agree with Rob that, um, and I hope, that social um, technologies, which which develop at the speed of light, will be integrated into every aspect of business and that we'll be using them really effectively. And I think because of that, um, none of our titles, our long, lofty titles, will exist anymore. <laughs> um, I think that the, that integration will hopefully mean that everybody is working um, in a more socially enabled environment. And so hopefully uh, folks like us are looking to the new technologies and seeing how we can help to enable our businesses with whatever's coming next. What about the blunders, Jen? Will we continue to see blunders of the nature many of you have described on the show today, or oh, will absolutely. those be less, I, less when amusing? When you think about how quickly um, technology is changing, and I get a lot of questions um, still today, you know, people not necessarily understanding if they post something, how wide that net is that they're casting. Mm-hmm. You know, these these technologies are moving at the speed of light. Our um, mobile device use is is moving so quickly. We have more and more millennials coming into companies expecting to use their own devices and have a lot more autonomy and a lot more voice. And all of those converging factors are absolutely going to result in us seeing things that were um, not as polished, not intended, Mm -hmm. uh, not on brand, um, maybe somewhat problematic from a business standpoint. But I think it's all hopefully... Um, leading to business that's that's more authentic and 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 efficient and productive overall. Good points. Thank you, Dr. Natalie. What sayest you, crystal ball? I've asked you this many times on previous shows. Let's look into your crystal ball for social business. What will we be calling it, and will there be a Twitter? Well, I think that we'll probably still use the word social business because when we use that, <clears throat> we're really saying that there's a difference between how business is done today and how it's going to be done in the future. And so we're talking about it um, with a distinction. And I think that corporate America is an old dog, and old dogs take a long time to learn new tricks. Mm -hmm. In the technology adoption curve, there's the early majority. And they're really looking for proof that social media works. I mean, I had one guy who said to me like 10 years ago, he said, do you think email will stay around? The same guy said, I think this social media thing is a fad. I don't think it's Ooh. a fad. I think it's here to stay. I think it's what Deming said, which was listen to your employees, listen to your customers, take all that real-time feedback and integrate it back into your products and services in your company. And I think that, yeah, we'll have more blunders because there's a lot of companies that can't see the future, that can't look into that crystal ball and can't see that this is the future of business. And... You know, unfortunately, companies like Netflix, you know, leaders have to, I'm teaching this class at UCLA for leaders, and it's really about helping leaders understand how strategically important this is 
and then empowering people within the organization to carry out what needs to be carried out, minus all the freaking politics, which, of course, you know, I feel is a white-collar crime. Mm-hmm. And I want to congratulate you, Dr. Nat. UCLA recently asked you to head up their social media executive education program. Congratulations on that. I know you're going to be great. And let's turn to Todd Wilms, SAP. Todd, you're, you have a vast view of social business in your role at SAP and your global media audience marketing team. What do you think the future holds for all of this we've been talking about, Todd? Uh, I'm still waiting on jetpacks and flying cars. Uh, oh, you're my man. <laughs> uh, but until that comes along, um, I, you know, I think what's going to happen is these these tools are going to continue to exist. Right? Twenty years ago, when email came around, everyone said it's the death of paper, and and all mm-hmm. it's done is it's changed the way we use paper. And these tools do the same thing. It's it's not going to be the death of the phone call. It's not going to be the death of other engaging conversations. It's just a new way to do it. So these tools are going to evolve over the next couple of years. I think what's going to be interesting is the role of the customer because now the customer can take, and this is chiming in with a lot of the other speakers, the customer's mm-hmm. role has changed. They're now more front and center. And so they can get their questions addressed. They can get their issues resolved. But they can take a place to actually help steer and guide companies and help them to best be better players and better stewards in the marketplace than they've ever had the possibility to do before. And these communities and these involvements of these communities are really going to be crucial to that. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens over the next couple of years. I think Twitter, Facebook, they'll still be around. They're not going anywhere. But I think they're going to evolve into allowing the customer to come front and center and really help guide companies the way they should be. Todd, do you think there's room for another social media giant at the scope of, I know they didn't all start out big, but something that will catch on like wildfire like Twitter did and Facebook. Do you think that there is something else that could happen in the next five years that when we have this conversation, we'll have a third name up at the top of that list of vehicles people use? What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I I think there's probably one of them out there now that's in early funding that you've probably kind of heard about. And I'm Tell sure us. They'll, they'll rise to be the cream of the crop over the next couple of years. I mean, if anything, history has just shown that that's exactly what happened, right? Everyone. And what is that, what is that one, Todd? You know, I wish I knew. If I did, I'd be an investor. Theoretical. Doctor Nat, you're, you're on the cutting edge. I think one because I think we're suffering from social fatigue, social <clears throat> network fatigue. Ah. I can't keep up with all the social networks. I need a mini me to post everywhere. <laughs> it, it, I, I think. <laughs> Google Plus is challenged because people have already established their networks. They have. I have to. I have to announce the next shows. I thought we had four minutes. We have one minute. Just give me a second here. January twenty fifth next week. Speaking of which, I'll be interviewing the three authors who were on last week again, authors of the Customer Experience Edge, and we're going to talk about Chapter Ten specifically in the book, The Customer Experience Freeway. Top 10 tips to wow them, the on-ramps for getting on that freeway. Afterwards, we're going to switch gears completely February 1st and talk about subsidiaries as big company game changer strategy. Then we're going to attend a live customer experience event and hear from the audience on February 8th. And February 15th, put your seatbelts on the day after Valentine's Day. What should you have bought her in the context of everything we talk about game changers on the show? Quick thank you to Patricia Harris and Joan Sherlock and Malcolm Kimberlin and Wendy Ann Nesbeth and Carolyn Brock and my people at 50 and 5 and 23K. And I want to thank everyone here on the show, Rob Harles, Jen McClure, Dr. Nat Petoff, Todd Wilms, thanks for being great guests, and thank you to the team at 
Mm. The team at Voice America Radio. We have Ryan and Justin and Jeff and Jeff. Thanks all. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This has been another episode of Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. We'll see you right here next Wednesday morning sharp, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern. Over and out. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.